Hi, this is Robert Helms, and thanks for listening to the Real Estate Guys podcast. Hey, do me a favor. Take a quick moment to give us some feedback on our iTunes page. We'd really love to know what you think. Thanks so much. Now, on with the show. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Today on the program, we're going to talk about how you can improve your cash flow with something you wouldn't normally consider a way to improve your tax flow, and that is taxes. That's right. We're talking real estate tax strategies for investors. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Go online with the Real Estate Guys. The Real Estate Guys need your help. We're conducting an online survey to learn more about the information that you're looking for and how we can help grow the Real Estate Guys radio program. Just a few minutes of your time will help us help you. While you're online, subscribe to our e-newsletter. You'll automatically be entered to win a cruise with the Real Estate Guys. Help us to help you. Go online with the Real Estate Guys at realestateguysradio.com. realestateguysradio.com. Well, hello and welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning in. We've got a a taxing subject for you today. We're going to talk about how you can improve your cash flow using proven tax strategies. That's right. Let's meet our financial strategist and co-host, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. Hey there. Good to have you aboard, as always. And I know this is one of your favorite topics. It it is one of my favorite topics because... Not, Not tax. Right, you don't love tax, no, but you love the strategies that allow you to actually improve your cash flow as well as uh, make you a better real estate investor. I absolutely do because there are certain things in life that you have to pay for, and for the most part, enjoy paying for. There are certain things in life that you have to pay for that you don't enjoy paying for. When it comes to things like taxes, interest, and insurance, as a financial strategist, I'm always looking for ways to improve my cash flow by reducing my costs on those three items. And so, you know, tax is. Most people know. I mean, there's so many different forms of taxes. I think today we're going to focus uh, on income taxes and how they relate to the ownership of real estate. Uh, but if you add up all the different types of taxes that you pay from sales tax to excise tax to property tax to income tax at the federal level, income tax at the state level, and all the different types of transactional taxes, I mean, it's really overwhelming how much tax you really end up paying. But don't let that dissuade you from listening to the show. Don't turn away now because we're talking about taxes because before we're done, we're going to show you how you can profit. That's right, profit by having uh, some of these great tax strategies. In fact, I'll venture to guess that they're gonna, we're going to learn some things today that uh, many of our listeners do not know and are probably going to be some ideas that could be literally saving you a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand dollars or more over the life of your real estate investments. Absolutely, because you know most people look at taxes and they think it's a big, complicated subject and they get lost in the minutia. But really at the strategic level, there's just some basic concepts that once you understand them, then you can begin to make decisions and and organize your portfolio in such a way to maximize those principles. And then you have to work with your tax professional on a daily or on a, you know, at least a probably twice a year basis and uh, create uh, tactical things, because those are the people that are staying up to date. They're the ones that are reading the bulletins and paying attention to the IRS rulings, and they're 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 the ones that practice on a daily basis uh, the art, if you will, of interpreting the tax code and applying it in the real world. But once you get the basic strategies, you can kind of get yourself organized, and uh, and then and then it's just a matter of always trying to make sure that you handle your money in such a way that you get the most that the tax code will allow you 
uh, to keep and not pay. Now, anytime we talk about taxes in the show, we always have to give you the disclaimer that uh, Russ and I are not tax professionals. Uh, but today, you're going to meet one. In a few minutes, we're going to introduce you to a certified public accountant who spends his uh, his waking hours and in, in business life studying this stuff. And uh, that's uh, that, that's a wonderful, wonderful person to have uh, in your toolbox, so to speak, your your power Rolodex, your contact uh, list. You want to know somebody that understands uh, taxation if you can be a real estate investor. Let's, let's talk about the basic premise behind what taxes look like for a real estate investor. If you're going to own property that makes a profit, that has income, then obviously there are different taxes associated with that. But they're not all bad. There are some offsets that you get. There are some benefits. We talk about some of the the tax benefits of owning real estate. Yeah. For someone who's out there who works a regular job and gets paid W-2, they really just you know, get their paycheck and then that's all income to them. That's their bottom line. But when you own real estate, you're like an independent business owner. And so you have top line revenue, which is your rental income. And then from that, you get to deduct all of your expenses. And that could be fixing the property up. It could be paying your property taxes, your property manager, your insurance, uh, anything related, even things like traveling to the property. And there's a lot of things that are connected to it. Uh, and then and then another cool thing we'll talk about at, at length, which is called depreciation. Uh, but, but you deduct all those expenses from your top line revenue, and then you end up with your net taxable income. And then that rolls up to your personal income, and then it kind of all blends together, and uh, that's that's where it starts to get complicated. But you don't have to understand all that because that that's where your your uh, tax advisor comes. But the key is is to keep good records so that you know what you're actually spending and putting out in terms of expenses that can offset. Because you don't want to pay tax on the top line; you want to pay tax on the bottom line. Right. And you've mentioned uh, you need, it's obviously it's crucially important to have a tax professional. And what you need your tax professional for is to guide you in the things you need to keep track of, the records you need to keep give you the ideas and strategies, then you're going to go out and implement that in the real world, keeping those things in mind. Then you're going to come back to your tax professional at least once a year uh, so that they can help you in the preparation of uh, your taxes. And uh, the, you know, the great thing about tax professionals is that they keep up to date with uh, what's going on and they can uh, give you some insight into ways that you can actually save money. So uh, let's meet our guest. Uh, he's returning to the program and uh, we're always happy to have a real tax professional on the program, certified public accountant, Mr. Dan Kennedy. Hey, Dan. Hi, Robert. Thank you very much for having me on. Great to have you. You've been uh, great in uh, calling in and giving us uh, little bits of advice when we need some tax ideas and answering listeners' questions. And so it's great to have you uh, here live in the studio. Uh, First of all, um, how's the tax business? Getting very busy. I can imagine so. Yeah, this is, uh, I mean, you know, when, when, especially when, when the economy is tough, there's been a lot of changes that we'll talk about. And I think part of our, our show, uh, we'll talk about, you know, what's going on in, in uh, the new year and, and with the changes in the economy, what that means, things like, you know, uh, debt uh, relief and, and loan modification and all that. But, uh, but let's start at the basics. If somebody uh, is considering uh, becoming a real estate investor, what are some of the tax benefits, the tax reasons you might uh, want to take a look at? Well, Russ already started mentioning some of those, but um, and he mentioned the fact that you can offset your expenses of the real estate. The biggest one is depreciation, and the key there is the difference between depreciation and most other expenses is um, like your mortgage, your insurance. You actually sp- spent real hard cash on those. Right. The difference is depreciation is sort of a phantom expense. You did not spend any cash on it. No cash came out of your pocket, and yet you get to tell the government to deduct this from my tax return. Right. So as I tell everyone, a deduction is actually a bad thing in most cases. You're spending a dollar to get back 30, 40 cents from the government. Right. So that's not a good thing. 
But depreciation, you spent zero dollars and you just got 30, 40 cents back from the government. You know, I love that. That's good. And here's the concept. Over time, an asset like an investment property, it wears out. It, it goes out of, of value. It's not worth anything. You build a house and, and 80 or 100 years later, if you don't do anything to it, it's just going to fall down and not be worth anything. That's the premise behind depreciation. But of course, when it comes to the tax side of it, uh, you have to separate out uh, the land and the improvements. Maybe you can speak about that. Well, yeah, like you said, um, assets wear out. I mean, it's clearly, no doubt, if you're talking a computer, it goes down in value extremely fast and it's gone. While unlike that, you have real estate, it doesn't um, go go away that quickly. And in fact, most cases, it goes up in value over time. The land. The land. Part of it, yeah. So every time you buy real estate, you're buying land, building, and what's inside of it. We call those improvements, um, assets, things like carpeting, flooring, all those things. The land almost, like you said, clearly goes up in value. Buildings uh, will go up because of cost to uh, replace it versus existing costs. In the real built. world, they'll go up in value. Yes, <laughs> in the real world. Sorry. Uh, well, in the tax world, they say, no, that goes down in value. And it, it can, but most part, it does go up. Uh, and so you get to take an expense for that decrease in value. And in the tax world, if it's residential, we say that's over 27 and a half years. And we basically take that purchase price and you take one twenty-seven and a half of it. And uh, many people ask me why twenty-seven and a half. And again, that was a great Congress compromise. They can never figure out what to do, so they make up stuff like that. Right. Uh, somebody <laughs> says fifty. Somebody says ten. And before you know it, let's settle on uh, twenty-seven and a half, so we can go to lunch. All right, done. <laughs> and it's been twenty-seven and a half for residential real estate for for a long time. For quite a long time. It's been many things. It's been fifteen, as low as fifteen, and as it was forty originally. But it's been twenty-seven and a half since nineteen eighty-six, I believe, maybe eighty-seven. And a little different uh, depreciation schedule if we're talking about commercial real estate. Um, that is now on uh, thirty-nine. Was thirty-one and a half. Um, commercial is half. There's been more changes in the commercial world uh, depreciation. They're allowing leasehold improvements easier now, and you can depreciate those faster. Um, it's the def- definition of a leasehold improvement is made much broader now, and that can be depreciated over fifteen years. So that's the one area um, what's been some improvement in the commercial. World. So, in general, the improvements, the building, and the things that have been done to the dirt are the things that I can get a tax depreciation credit for. The land itself doesn't depreciate. How do I arrive at what the value is? Let's say I buy a property for $200,000, then it comes with the, the land and, and the house. Uh, how much is the land worth and how much is the house worth? Um, well, <laughs> good question, um, Robert. And you hear many times people just use the phrase 80 20. In fact, that's just. That goes back so far, I don't even know if anyone knows where it came from. But um, in fact, you're supposed to use some logical pattern to it. Um, the most common thing you hear is a property tax bill. But in fact, uh, most property tax counties now do not charge differently for land and building. So they don't even put any effort into that. Matter of fact, the county I live in now just does 50 50 and puts no effort into it. Yeah, it so, used to be your tax bill would say. It would actually try and land, figure, right. yeah. Now that you can't really. IRS still will accept it, but it actually has no relevance to reality. Right. Insurance bills lots of times are a better gauge. Many times appraisals will list this value. And sometimes you can pay someone to figure this out for you, which is probably the best approach because they will – which I guess I can get into now. (laughs) They will not only allocate the price between the land and the building many times. They'll also allocate all the items within the building 
to various components, which can be depreciated over even greater than 27 and a half years, five or 15 years. Oh, all right. On that uh, note, we're going to talk about accelerated depreciation, which is one of those things you may not know you can uh, have benefit of as a real estate investor. So we come back. We're going to have uh, Dan explain how that works. And uh, then we'll uh, get into a lot of interesting areas uh, of taxation and real estate, many of which can save you money. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Equity Happens. Is it happening to you? Learn more at realestateguysradio.com. Crikey! Local real estate market a little slow? If there's no appreciation, there's no equity. No worries. There are lots of markets and many are booming. G'day, mate. This is Luke Chadwick, the deal hunter with Global Property Network. I spend most of my time traveling all over the U.S. and the world, hunting down hot markets, great properties, and expert agents. Give us a ring at one 411 4 gpn and we'll connect you to great agents in great markets with great deals. That's one 411 4476 Well, mate, got to go. To learn more, go to globalpropertynetwork.com or call us at one 411 gpn Don't be shy. Do it now. In today's crazy economy, you name it, what aren't you worried about? I mean, there's your 401k, banks are failing, and it just seems every day there is more bad economic news. That's why I decided it's time to take action and invest in physical silver. I really like the idea of investing in something I can touch and own, not just a piece of paper that can disappear like some of my stock funds. Silver's a great hedge against inflation, and unlike gold, silver has a huge industrial demand, which is is why some analysts expect it to dramatically rise in value. I also found the biggest challenge in owning silver is finding a place to buy it. I then was lucky that a friend told me about RBOR. They specialize in 100-ounce pure silver bars, perfect for an investor like me. Here's their number, 800-395-1123. That's 800-395-1123. I know their supply is limited. It's 800-395-1123. Are you worried about your future energy costs? With oil prices recently coming back down, many Americans are being lulled into thinking that all will be well and good. But experts predict utility companies are going to see an unprecedented rise in costs as President-elect Obama is planning huge tax penalties for the use of dirty fuel. What can you do about it? Consider solar. Clean, green solar energy is cheaper and easier than you might imagine. Solar Masters is a solar electric generation installation company dedicated to bringing you the highest quality products to develop your own clean energy. And you'll be surprised at how affordable it can be. An installation of solar electric can be your insurance policy against future rate hikes. Solar Masters is offering listeners an unbelievable special. For a limited time, when you mention the real estate guys, you'll get your system installed free of labor costs. Call now at 888-757-7677 or visit SolarMastersInc.com. You can reduce or even in some cases even eliminate your electric bill. Call Solar Masters at 888-757-7677 to find out more. Tell them you heard it on The Real Estate Guys. Call 888-757-7677 today.
Hi, this is Kendra Todd, winner of The Apprentice, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. We're talking about uh, real estate proven strategies, uh, tax strategies to uh, help you increase your bottom line. Our guest today, certified public accountant Dan Kennedy. Uh, Dan uh, specializes in real estate investors and is an investor himself, which is always one of my prerequisites for uh, a professional. I love when someone actually does what they're talking about and doesn't just read about it in a book. And so uh, it's great to have you on the program, Dan. We were talking about the pre the idea that uh, property wears out, the improvements on property wear, wears out, the land doesn't. But uh, we just started talking a little bit about accelerated depreciation, uh, which is the idea that certain components of the property might wear out faster. Uh, before we uh, complete that thought, understand that depreciation is only available on a rental property, not on the house you live in, not on your second home. Is that right, Dan? Just the property, just the property yes. for investment. Yep. So understand that. But uh, but but Russ, why is it that I'd, I'd want to have accelerated depreciation? What does that make sense for me? Yeah, you know. And when you're on the radio, it's hard to kind of track with all this stuff, but I think it's an important topic. Say, for example, you had $200,000 that you attributed as being your depreciable basis. It's the improvements on the property. If you were to, if it's a residential property and you were to depreciate that 27 and a half years, you, as Dan said earlier, would take one, one twenty-seventh and a half, which would be $7,272 a year. And you'd be able to deduct that uh, from your operating uh, revenue. So, if you were to take that same $200,000 and it were to qualify for 10-year appreciation, instead of having a $7,200 deduction, you'd have a $20,000 deduction. That's and there's better. actually Yeah, and there's actually some parts in the code where they'll allow five years of depreciation or five-year depreciation schedule. So again, take that same $200,000 and you divide it by a five-year schedule, and now you're writing off $40,000 a year. Now, most of the people that we run into at uh, events and so forth don't understand this. They may even own property, and they're just appreciating their income property at 27 and a half years. So, Dan, explain to us how we can arrive at an accelerated de- depreciation model for our investment properties. Well, basically, just look at the property and think about what's in it. Um, besides the building and the land, you have many things in your property. You have carpeting. You've got floor covering. You've got appliances. Maybe a window air conditioning, a drapes, blinds, furniture, appliances, water heaters, all these things. Basically, the simplified rule, which is 90% accurate, is if you can remove it without doing serious damage to the house or to it, you can depreciate it over five years okay. if it's inside the house. Okay. No, it's not. Um, so that allows you to think about that. Um, there's also the bigger thing people forget is the outside. And things that are considered land improvements can, um, can be appreciated over 15 years. And this is such things as driveways, carports, landscaping, patios, fencings, buried pipes even. My old comment, not to offend anyone, but if God made it, you can't depreciate it. If he didn't, man made it, you can. That's a pretty good rule of thumb. <laughs> so most people get it. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way to think about it. Anything that man made, you can appreciate over some life. Yep. And um, that's almost everything except the pure dirt. Yep. Even the fencing that covers in the dirt's like, um, what am I thinking? But anyway. Now, there's actually companies that specialize in this. You talked about an appraiser can come out and give you an idea of how much the land is worth versus how much the improvements are worth. There's companies that will come out and give you an estimate of what those additional improvements are. Yeah, they're, um, they're usually called chattel appraisals. Sometimes on bigger property, you'll call them cost study analysis. But they go in and do it for you. And in fact, the IRS wants you to use them. Um, if you do it yourself, the IRS has the grounds to disqualify you because you're not an expert in the area. Right. While 
when you hire someone, they are a third party. They have no benefit to favor you or the IRS, although you know, you're paying their bill. So right. hopefully they'll favor you. But the point is, is they're a third party independent study. And that's um, the IRS is very almost impossible for them to dispute this. Um, and courts have accepted them backwards and forwards. Now let's talk real quick about some of the temporary accelerated depreciation that we've seen. For instance, people have heard about the go zone. What, is, what does that look like? Well, the go zone actually ended. Right. <laughs> um, but um, Congress many times passes laws to give even greater depreciation than the, what we've talked about. The uh, go zone was created so you can depreciate 50% of the purchase price even for the building. Then there was many years back, there was the bonus depreciation. And most recently, there was the economic stimulus package that allow you to depreciate 50% of the cost immediately in the first year um, of anything that was fifteen five or 15-year property. So now, not only is it getting you, um, like Russ said, 7000 to 40000 it's getting you 7000 to 100000 Wow. Um, so that makes a difference. And that law expired, but many people... Many, but I can't guarantee you anything on when it comes to taxes. Um, Congress will re-up that and re-enact a new depre- bonus depreciation for 2009 and probably 2010. Okay. Well, we'll have to stay tuned and yeah. uh, you fill us in as that uh, as that happens. So depreciation isn't uh, isn't easy, easy to do, but it's worth doing because it's such a great tax benefit. There is this thing called recapture, though. If I have taken depreciation, that phantom tax credit on my property for years and years and years, and then I go to sell the property, how does the recapture work? Okay. Um, maybe we'll think that as an ugly word, but what it is is, is that uh, you're lowering your basis of the property. By the depreciation, so now when you paid two hundred thousand for it, you've depreciated say forty thousand of it. Now it's worth one hundred and sixty. So when you sell it for two fifty, your gain is not the two fifty versus the two hundred you paid for it. It's the I forgot the two fifty versus the one forty <laughs> or one sixty. Right, exactly. well, so ninety thousand. So um, so you will have to pay it back potentially when you sell it. There are options to avoid that too. Um, I don't want to get into like kind of exchanges too much because that's a whole show. But you can avoid paying the tax at the time of gain even. But remember, even if you pay back the government for that depreciation, at the absolute minimum, you just got an interest-free loan from the government. Best case scenario is you use other strategies to avoid always paying that tax on that. There you go. All right, so uh, there's depreciation, and, and uh, it's one of the great tax benefits that, that we have. And so you don't let the tail wag the dog. You don't buy a property because of depreciation. depreciation. One of the things we talked about on the show in the past is the whole you know, overhyping of the go zone, right? That, mm-hmm. oh, it's this great thing. And, and, and so people would let the tail wag the dog. They'd buy in this area only because of the tax benefit. And there's a downside to it. As great as it was to depreciate 50% up front, the downside is that means you have less depreciation going forward. So if you're going to have the property for a long time, you've taken the lion's share in one year. Now, that's a strategic decision for you. Great. Maybe that's the year you needed it. But what if it was the next year that you needed it? You'd have actually less depreciation. So that's part of the tax planning approach uh, to to real estate investment. Maybe you want to talk about that. Well, I'm just saying, you know, to me, the other part of it is a lot of times people will go to and buy something on that type of hype. And then not even realize, and we're going to cover this later, they're not even eligible to take all that extra depreciation. You know, they get it, it sits there, and it's not useful to them. Because at the end of the day, you can only take the passive losses against passive income. And if you don't have enough passive income, all that depreciation really doesn't help you. 
Well, there you go. So anyway, <laughs> I mean, I know I know Dan's going to get into that, but yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things where, where I, to your point, Robert, which I think is perfect, is that you know you can't get caught up in any specific area of hype, whether it's tax, whether it's builder incentives, whether it's whatever. You got to make sure that what you're buying is a sound, fundamental investment. That's never been more true than right now, because mm-hmm. the market isn't overheated. It's just the opposite, which means there's great values out there. But if you want to see good long-term appreciation, you got to pick markets that are solid for the right reason. And tax code alone is not necessarily the right reason. Now, what we've been talking about up till now, Dan, uh, depreciation and so forth, is federal taxes, taxes that affect everybody in the U.S. If you're buying in a different jurisdiction, you have property in Arizona and Nevada and California, is there anything you need to be concerned with as far as state taxes go in real estate? Well, um, most states um, comply with the rules of the IRS. Um, one of the few states that's a little more complicated is California that mostly complies, but it always has their exceptions, especially lately. Um, they've been in a major crisis, so they've been very reluctant to give any breaks. They're paying but- their bills with IOUs <laughs> right now. Yes. Yeah. Wish I could do that. Which means we OUs. So <laughs> <Yeah>. most- <laughs> that's great. So most states um, have very few differences between the federal government. There is the complexity of multi- um, investing in multiple states and potentially having multiple issues and owe taxes to multiple states. Um, but in the end, they've passed a law, so you can't effectively pay more than what you would have paid. Uh, you, I'm not saying that well. Let me try it. You get a credit for one state versus the other state, so you can never pay more than what you would pay if it was all in your own state. Um, but um, you definitely have to potentially file taxes in multiple states and pay taxes to multiple states, but you get credits back and forth, and usually it nets to about the same. Never exactly the same. But. Right. <laughs> All the more reason to uh, consult a, a tax professional. So uh, let's talk about some of the changes for 2009. It's a new year. There's always new taxes. What are the, some of the things people need to be uh, thinking about uh, in, as we approach in, a new year? Well, um, actually, overall, there wasn't a significant changes in this year. Um, there were a lot of little acts, the AMT patch. There were some environmental, some farming acts, lots of little things. Um, but – a lot of it was on hold waiting for the new election year to come in. Sure, um, But there were a couple of major things. There was the stimulus package last year, which created the bonus depreciation. And then there was the Mortgage Act, the biggest thing, the Debt Forgiveness Act for um, homes. Now, maybe we'll get confused with that one. It was only for primary residences, this act. And that means you have to live in it for two years. You can't just go move into it now and call it your primary residence. And then California followed up with a similar act, but not quite as good as the federal government. So being here in California, you have to be very careful of your primary residence. You could essentially still owe tax on debt forgiveness in primary residence in California. Okay. Well, we're going to talk more about that before we're done because that's a big uh, a big topic, uh, debt forgiveness with all the foreclosures and short sales and, and all of that. So if that's a, a concern of yours, you want to stay with us, we're going to talk about what the ramifications are of uh, modifying your loan and uh, getting forgiven for part of the principal of your or debt and all of those. Uh, also, before we're done, we're going to uh, talk about some of the things you need to think about planning uh, your future acquisitions in real estate because there's some, uh, some definite ways that the planning ahead can save you dollars in the long run. Our guest today is certified public accountant Dan Kennedy. And when we come back, we'll play real estate trivia, give you a chance to win a prize by knowing today's real estate trivia question. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys Radio Network. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Hello, Robert Kiyosaki. Listen to the Real Estate Guys. They're wild and crazy, but they really know what they're talking about. All aboard. 
Set sail with the real estate guys on their seventh annual Investors Summit at Sea. Aboard ship, you'll enjoy first-class dining, awesome entertainment, 24-hour room service, and plenty of fun activities. Unwind at the piano bar, check out the casino action, or stay in touch at the Internet Cafe. Plus, hang out with the real estate guys for a week you'll never forget. We depart from Fort Lauderdale March 21st for Panama, Costa Rica, and Belize, and return March 29th. Call 877-WOW-CRUISE to learn more. That's 877-WOW-CRUISE or go to wowevents.com. There are plenty of great cabins left, but the Investor Summit always sells out. Call 877-WOW-CRUISE to talk to our cruise specialist, Mary Lynn. That's 877-969-2784. 877-WOW-CRUISE. Don't miss the boat. Chadwick. Chadwick. Real estate, like diamonds, are forever. So when it comes to real estate, never say never again. I travel the world for Global Property Network, spying out hot markets, experienced agents, and great deals. So if the world is not enough and you're looking for investment or vacation real estate anywhere in America or around the globe, call Global Property Network. I've got a gold finger for connecting you to great properties. You only live twice, so to grow your income for the second part of your life, you can live and let die, or you can go for it, like the living daylights. GPN is here to help. From Russia with love, this is Luke Chadwick for Global Property Network. Give Luke and his team at Global Property Network a license to kill and find you income-producing property. Tomorrow never dies, so you need Luke to find properties and deals for your eyes only. Call Luke and GPN today, 877-411-4GPN. That's 877-411-4GPN. Or on the sponsors page at realestateguysradio.com. In today's crazy economy, you name it, what aren't you worried about? I mean, there's your 401k, banks are failing, and it just seems every day there is more bad economic news. That's why I decided it's time to take action and invest in physical silver. I really like the idea of investing in something I can touch and own, not just a piece of paper that can disappear like some of my stock funds. Silver's a great hedge against inflation, and unlike gold, silver has a huge industrial demand, which is why some analysts expect it to dramatically rise in value. I also found the biggest challenge in owning silver is finding a place to buy it. I then was lucky that a friend told me about RBOR. They specialize in 100-ounce pure silver bars, perfect for an investor like me. Here's their number, 800-395-1123. That's 800-395-1123. I know their supply is limited. It's 800-395-1123. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program, our 11th year of broadcasting investment real estate information on the radio. We're here every weekend and all the time at realestateguysradio.com. If you miss a show, you can go to our website and listen to it right there or subscribe uh, via iTunes to our weekly podcast. And uh, we'd be happy to uh, come into uh, your MP3 uh, player or uh, other device and, and share our words of wisdom with you. We're talking uh, this week about improving your cash flow with proven tax strategies. Before we get back to our guest, CPA Dan Kennedy, it's time to play Real Estate Trivia. That's right, a chance for you to win about prize by knowing a real estate trivia question. Here's how it works. In just a minute, we're going to ask you a real estate trivia question, and you're going to come up with the answer. 
The way you do that is send us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name and mailing address so that if you're the winner, we can send you an autographed copy of Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate, our book on real estate investing. Find out more at equityhappens.com. And uh, what we do is we give away a book to the first person with the right answer. Then we take all of the correct answers that come in for the week and have a drawing for a second book. So even if you're listening via podcast or uh, on the website, you still have a chance uh, to win a copy of Equity Happens by knowing today's real estate uh, trivia question. That's how it works. And uh, it's a good question this week uh, that has to do, believe it or not, with taxes. But before we get to that, of course, let's look at last week's question. Last week's show, uh, many of you were listening, I know, instead of watching the Super Bowl. Uh, we had our, our, our show last week uh, during, uh, right before, the, right during, uh, depending on where you live, the Super Bowl. And our question was uh, about that. Of course, the Super Bowl uh, took place uh, last uh, week in uh, Tampa, Florida. And our trivia question was, how many times has Tampa hosted the Super Bowl? And uh, the answer was four. Four, including Last week, so four times total, uh, Tampa. Interestingly, uh, you know how many times New Orleans has uh, hosted the, the Super Bowl, Russ? Um, eight or nine. Yes, eight or nine. Nine <laughs> times. And, uh, of course, Greater Miami. Now, who, which, which of you guys knows where next year's Super Bowl is going to be? Ooh, I should know it's, that. It's Miami, I believe. It is Miami. Miami. Yeah. So it, now Miami will have the most. Exactly. See, they'll be the winner. But that's, see, that'll be next year's trivia question, perhaps. <laughs> so uh, there you go. But now here's this week's trivia question. In 1773, a direct action of defiance regarding a tax took place in the United States. Way back in 773, a defiant action that had to do with taxes took place. What city did it happen in? What city did this direct action of defiance take place in. If you know that, send it to us along with your name and mailing address to trivia at realestateguysradio.com and uh, we'll give away a couple of books. Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate. That's our trivia question and it's a pretty easy one. But it's hard to come up with a trivia question that has to do with tax and real estate. So so there you go. Uh, we're talking about uh, proven tax strategies that can uh, help you uh, to uh, improve your cash flow. And also, uh, we want to kind of talk about how you p- take it from a planning point of view. When I'm looking at real estate, I'm going to plan a hold period. I'm going to look at, is it a passive or active investment for me? And I'm going to consider what the, the taxation is. Uh, so, Russ, maybe you can kind of walk us through uh, you know, the, the differences uh, and Dana obviously chime in on this, but the, the, the different ways that we make money and the different ways they're taxed. Yeah, I just, you know, when we teach this, I just put three buckets up there. And then one bucket is for active, uh, that's earned income. You have a, a job, you run a business and you're actively involved in it. That's active income. Uh, then you have passive income where you make investments and it spits off cash flow, royalties, rents, whatever. And then you have portfolio income, money that you make buying and selling things. And so the most or the worst, depending on how you look at it, and I can't imagine anybody except the uh, government would look at it as being better. Uh, the worst tax uh, really comes on the active because you're going to have self-employment tax, income tax, and the ordinary tax rate is usually highest on income tax versus when you buy something like a piece of real estate and then sell it after a year, you have capital gains tax, which is a different category of tax. And uh, typically that rate is lower than the ordinary income tax rate. And certainly when you combine the personal income tax rate, uh, one of the things that people always get confused on is they try to they try to take deductions on one type of income and apply it to another type of income. So people will say, okay, I've got um, losses, uh, you know, or maybe depreciation losses on my rental real estate in my passive income. 
or passive losses, and I want to put that against my active income, and there's limitations on that, right? Yes. So the bad news is the passive act, um, port, um, bucket, excuse me, and the portfolio bucket are limited on their ability to deduct the earned income bucket. It's kind of a like kind thing. You can only deduct. I mean, it, it, there's no limitations on like kind, right? That's my understanding. So if yes. I make a if I make a million dollars of passive income and then I lose nine hundred thousand dollars in passive losses, then my passive income net is going to be a hundred grand, right? Correct. Okay, but if I if I had my active income and I made a million dollars in my business that I actively ran, or I'm a sports guy and I make a million bucks or two, well, they make more than that, don't you they? Wish, <laughs> <laughs> but they make a ton of money, right? And then yes. they own a bunch of rental real estate. They're not going to be able to take the passive losses from their real estate and apply it to their active income because that's not going in the same bucket. Yeah, that's the general rule. Okay. Uh, that's the way I've always understood it. And a lot of people don't understand. Now, but if you're a full-time real estate investor, mm-hmm. then you do have the ability to write off really an unlimited amount of passive losses against your active as long as you're in the real estate as a profession. Well, let's right. talk about that because it's okay. not just being in real estate as a profession. There's a <laughs> lot of rules and regulations surrounding that, right, Dan? Yes, there are. Um what we call being in the real estate profession is not the same in the tax world as what you would say maybe in the in the loan world or the whatever world you're in. Um, so in the tax world, we have a specific definition that says to be a real estate investor, you have to qualify as being more time in real estate than you do in all your other activities combined. So that's the first test. And you you don't even go to the next test until you pass that test. Right. So even if you own 200 houses, if you still spend the majority of your time in another vocation, you're not a full-time real estate investor. Correct. Okay. So there, um, And then the second test is then if you pass that first one, you have to spend at least 750 hours in real estate. So in maybe we'll just glump onto that number because it's a number it's easy thing to find. But that's a, that doesn't even come into play until you pass that first test. Okay. A typical 40-hour work week is, what, 2,000 hours a year? Yeah. So this is 750 hours minimum. So for a person who is truly doing more than half of their time and they're and they're a full time, you know, they have a full time vocation. They spend their waking hours doing that. Then they they'll meet that. But this is to make sure there's a minimum so that if you're say retired or don't work very much, oh yeah, all the time I work I spend in real estate, but I only work 10 hours a year. That doesn't count. It's gonna be 750 <laughs> hours. A, uh, a year. How do you keep track of that? Yeah, I was going to say, if you're staring at an auditor, I mean, how do they prove that? <laughs> yeah, uh, the IRS has gotten very picky about this. They used to be very actually lenient about it. And in the last couple of years, um, the number of people trying to claim real estate professional, I think, has tripled or quadrupled um, on tax returns and start versus five years ago versus last year. The exact figure I'll get to you if you really want it. Not really. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, but you... Um, they will ask you for a log. They'll literally want to see a log that spells out um, the time spent, the day it was done, and what property or what event you did, and, and or if you met with someone else. And you need to have that spelled out. On Tuesday, the 5th of August, I spent two hours inspecting my property. And when we talk about the 750 hours, say I own a bunch of rental property and it is my full-time vocation or I spend most of my time doing that, what are the kinds of things that count towards that 750 hours? Say that uh, you know, say that I own a lot of real estate, uh, but I have a, a nationally syndicated radio talk show on real estate for an hour a week. Does that hour count? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, basically, you, I know are a are guy. You tra- are you trying to get free tax? No, I know a guy. <laughs> okay. I mean... The IRS actually's definition is very vague. 
Um, and so it was first interpreted loosely. Now it's interpreted. But basically, they say anything that involves real estate, I mean, anything you involving acquiring, managing, operating, developing, constructing, converting, renting, leasing, or selling. Those are the terms they use. Those and only those. But those are very broad terms. Right. Uh, what constitutes acquiring real estate? What constitutes managing your real estate? And that's where it's open to some interpretation of what falls in those categories. Well, if I'm I, spending time you know, keeping my books, doing my taxes related to real estate... Doing that, banking related to real estate, shopping for insurance related to real estate, all of that. Does that, that count? That could be considered as managing your real estate. I would think so. And I'll tell you this. <laughs> I agree with you. Good. But unfortunately, I don't have the final say. Um, the IRS, well, no, actually, the IRS does not have the final say. They are the first person you have to get through. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> that sounds like and a lot so, of fun. But they actually have no There's say. somebody worse behind the door? <laughs> <laughs> they actually have no true authority. Yeah. Uh, the courts do and the Congress do, but you can't get to those without going through the IRS. We're talking about uh, real estate taxation, how it affects you, and how you can actually profit from it. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the economic uh, crisis we've been through and what that means in terms of real estate taxes. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Live nationwide, you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. All aboard. Set sail with The Real Estate Guys on their 7th Annual Investors Summit at Sea. Aboard ship, you'll enjoy first-class dining, awesome entertainment, 24-hour room service, and plenty of fun activities. Unwind at the piano bar, check out the casino action, or stay in touch at the Internet Cafe. Plus, hang out with the real estate guys for a week you'll never forget. We depart from Fort Lauderdale March 21st for Panama, Costa Rica, and Belize, and return March 29th. Call 877-WOW-CRUISE to learn more. That's 877-WOW-CRUISE or go to wowevents.com. There are plenty of great cabins left, but the Investor Summit always sells out. Call 877-WOW-CRUISE to talk to our cruise specialist, Mary Lynn. That's 877-969-2784. 877-WOW-CRUISE. Don't miss the boat. Crikey! Local real estate market a little slow? If there's no appreciation, there's no equity. No worries. There are lots of markets and many are booming. G'day, mate. This is Luke Chadwick, the deal hunter with Global Property Network. I spend most of my time traveling all over the U.S. and the world hunting down hot markets, great properties, and expert agents. Give us a ring at one 411 gpn and we'll connect you to great agents in great markets with great deals. That's one 411 4476 Well, mate, got to go. To learn more, go to globalpropertynetwork.com or call us at one 411 gpn Don't be shy. Do it now. Hi, this is Garrett Sutton, Rich Dad's advisor. Remember, X. 
equity happens. And you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning in to our show. There's still time to uh, come with us on our 7th Annual Investor Summit at Sea. We're going to take a whole bunch of real estate investors to Panama, to Costa Rica, and to Belize. And you can come with us. Call 877-WOW-CRUISE to find out how you can spend a week plus a bonus day with the real estate guys. We're talking about improving your cash flow with proven tax strategies. One of the things that's happened, of course, Dan, in the last uh, year is uh, the complete meltdown of the mortgage industry and, and all the economic uh, uh, ripples that we've seen because of that. And people this year, this has been a tough year for a lot of real estate uh, investors and homeowners, uh, and we see people that have been uh, through a foreclosure, uh, people who have had uh, challenges making their payments and have had their loans modified last week on the show. Uh, We talked a great deal about loan modification. Uh, Interesting, interesting topic. If you didn't get a chance to hear that show uh, because it was Super Bowl Sunday, uh, go to our website at realestateguysradio.com and uh, you can uh, listen to a copy of it uh, online. But um, what what are the tax ramifications if I'm in one of these situations? Either I uh, go through a foreclosure and lose my property and my loan uh, or I get a modification and a reduction of principal. Well, um, the tax ramifications are complex in this area. Yeah. So they're not. There's no quick answer. But basically, um, the short answer is short sales, um, foreclosures, and deed in lieu are overall very similar in the tax world. Very little difference. Um, while loan modifications would fall into a kind of a different category. But that said, all debt whether for, um, forgiven for um, in lieu of the property, you turn over the property, or you actually reduce the value of your outstanding debt is income to the in the United States, Congress, or whatever you want to say. You um, get a 1099 no. typically of the amount of the debt relief. Yes, and that is income. And all the, all the banks are telling people that's income. Now, the reason why I say it was so different in the, um, the foreclosures, the short sales, and the deed in lieu versus the um, – just discharge of your indebtedness is that in the first category, we have two items going on. We sold the property and we had debt forgiveness. And these can be sometimes offsetting each other. They can sometimes create a loss where the loss with the sale is greater than the debt forgiveness. Right. Or sometimes if you've, mo- if you've refinanced this property so much where you've pulled so much cash out, you can actually have an additional gain on top of the debt forgiveness. Right. So it's very complex of what comes out. Um, so what you need to know, and then, the, um, you also need to know if it's a recourse versus non-recourse loan and the treatment is very different there. You actually don't have, um, 1099 income, but you still have income when it's a non-recourse loan. And so the, and how the, um, what bucket it goes on the tax return is very different too. Um, I don't want to get that, but non-recourse is better than Recourse because you don't get the 1099 and you don't get discharge of indebtedness is called ordinary income and not to quickly go back to our other buckets, but that's sort of like the active category. Yep. While um, gain on the sale is the passive category. And when there's, when there's no, when it's a recourse, non-recourse debt and you don't get that 1099, everything falls into the passive category. So it's easier to offset that income than when it's in the active category. Um, the key to know if you're in any type of debt like situation like this is first off, is my loan recourse or non recourse? Most investment property under a million dollar loan is recourse. The difference is California primary residence loans are non recourse. So there's a question on whether if you started with a primary residence and converted it to a rental, you may have a non recourse um, rental property. Um, second, to ask yourself, what is my basis in the property? 
tax basis, I mean. Right. Um, that matters big time. What did I pay for it? What improvements have I made? How much have I depreciated it? If that tax basis is greater than your outstanding debt, usually you're still in an okay position, even if you have debt forgiveness on a short sale or a foreclosure. Okay. If that is less than, you've got tax issues. Um, and then if you have tax issues because of this debt forgiveness, there are two other ways, which are not good ways. There are two other ways to get out of this tax caused by that, and that is declaring bankruptcy mm-hmm. or declaring insolvency with the IRS, claiming you have more debt than assets. You are negative net worth. This is um, similar to bankruptcy, but you're only decla- it's like clearing bankruptcy just to the IRS, to no one else but the IRS. Gotcha. Um, now, it's not a free lunch per se. <laughs> I don't know. Um, what happens is, is say I've got – I just said all this income is active and you have all these passive losses and normally you couldn't use them. But if you declare um, insolvency, they'll let you take away your sort of your passive losses to offset your active. But you can only do this literally if you're insolvent and you can convince the IRS of that. You don't just – you submit the forms and you have subject to review. Right. And many of these, these are reviewed much more regularly than a regular tax return. What are you seeing in terms of uh, audits? More or less audits today? Um, not necessarily um, – more, but I would definitely say more, but more what they're doing is they're both getting more aggressive, they're getting meaner, and they're getting more specific. They're getting very – um, you don't really rarely see the full audit anymore except for every now and then of all your stuff. They have – they do all their studies, figure out which areas are the most likely to um, cause people to commit mistakes or just flat out lose their receipts. Even if it's right but you don't have the proof, you lose in an audit doesn't matter that you were right. doesn't matter that the IRS agent knows you're right. They don't care. These are check-off-the-box people, uh, and so they're just looking for things. And so they get very specific. They go after certain things. They go after whether you're a real estate professional. They go after your specific deductions on your Schedule C, Schedule C filers and Schedule E filers, meaning real estate owners and especially small business owners that don't incorporate are the most audited individuals. So sitting where you sit, you have lots of people that bring you their taxes and then bring you their tax issues and problems when they have them. What's some advice that you can give people, especially real estate investors, to make sure that they do their best to to stay out of trouble and to take the best advantage of taxes? Well, um, you can't avoid an IRS audit. Just um, so don't try and if you don't take deductions, doesn't mean you're less chances of getting audited than if you do. The main thing is keeping your good records and keeping your receipts and keeping your books in order. That's more important because. Like I said, you can't avoid an IRS audit. Many times they're just purely luck of the draw or you truly had the expense. You just happened to have one in a year, a bad year or something where you had more expenses in a specific category that shot off a bell, but it was legitimate. I had your tenant leave five times and trash your property five times, and so you had more than normal repairs and maintenance. You know, what, after four times, I just don't want them back. <laughs> I go get a new tenant. <laughs> no, that's a good point. And, you know, oh, I wish we had more time because over the years you've uh, told us, uh, you know, some ideas about expenses that you might not even think about that could be yes. legitimate deductions, and that's one of the ways that you do improve your cash flow. You're spending money anyway as a real estate investor. Check out whether these things are true deductions. Yeah, like I said, find items that you're spending anyway. Now let's find a way to deduct it. Don't spend money to get a deduction. Find what you're spending. Can we potentially take your home office expense? Take what you're already spending your money on. Take your cell phone, your internet, your auto, your travel. Is there a way to deduct those things legitimately on the tax code that you couldn't? 
not don't take your even your childcare. Maybe there's something that you're spending your money on. Don't um, go out and buy a, you know a computer to get a deduction. If you need a computer, let's find a way to deduct it. Right. Great, uh, great mindset uh, for sure. Closing thoughts, Russell Gray. Well, I just want to reiterate the importance of keeping good records. I can tell you in the times in my life where I've kept good records, I can sit with my professionals. I can get good advice that's actionable. When my records are in disarray, I can't give them the right information so they can give me advice. And even when when they do give me the advice, I find it very hard to implement. And you're going to handle the paper anyway. You know, when you're paying the bill and, you know, spending the money, you're going to handle it anyway. Spend that extra 5 or 10% effort to keep great records, and it will more than pay dividends in terms of your ability to make good business decisions and to take full advantage of the tax code and the advice you get from guys like Dan Kennedy. There you go. All right, Dan, if somebody has a specific tax question or wants to follow up, you're a certified public accountant and uh, you uh, reside in Northern California. I know you have clients from a, a larger uh, geographic base in that, but how does someone get a hold of you? You know, I mean, the easiest two ways are obviously email. I do a lot of transactions through email. My email is simply dan, D-A-N, at D-P-K, Daniel Patrick Kennedy, D-P-K, C-P-A, certifiedpublicaccountant.com. That's my easiest email. I have multiple ones. but um, And then or you can call my office, which is 650-577-2314. And just to, as I always say, my favorite quote is, there's nothing wrong with a strategy to avoid the payment of taxes. The Internal Revenue Code does not prevent this. And this is not Dan Kennedy's quote. This is William Rehnquist, the Supreme Court Justice. Right. And so understand that it is not only okay, it is your obligation to make sure that as a taxpayer that you're taking advantage of the tax code. It's complex. It changes every year. You know, Dan is, is continually uh, learning about it, going to classes, understanding the bulletins <laughs> that come out and trying to get a handle on what these taxes uh, mean. And uh, wherever you are in the world, your tax situation is going to vary depending on the type of income you have, the, the type of properties you hold. You know, we didn't even get into international. We have lots of international national holdings, how does that uh, compare? But you need to have a tax professional. At some level, you know, folks who just... Um, you know, have maybe one job and it's a W-2 job. I mean, maybe they can figure out their taxes on, on their own or get some software to do it. But as soon as you have a complex tax, boy, my experience is that your tax professional can more than save whatever their fees are because they know how to work the uh, the system. And that's what you're you're looking for. All right. Thanks, Dan, for being in the program. Thank and you. Uh, thanks to our uh, co-host and financial strategist, Russell Gray. Thank you. Our uh, engineer is uh, Chathan. Our Matthew, uh, Matthew produce, our, our producer is Matthew. Our Matthew is our producer. And uh, we'd like to thank our sponsors for supporting uh, our program. Uh, if you don't uh, regularly subscribe to the Real Estate Guys newsletter, you can do that on our website. Go to realestateguysradio.com and uh, sign up for our email newsletter. And uh, who knows, you could get some great information uh, from the Real Estate Guys. And of course, you can listen right online or sign up for our podcast and then we'll come to you. We'll see you next week on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Remember, equity happens. This airing of the Real Estate Guys was brought to you in part by our sponsors. Corporate Direct. Get the edge in business and wealth building with asset protection, privacy, and tax savings. Call Rich Dad Advisor Garrett Sutton at 800-600-1760. Global Property Network. Have Goldfinger Luke Chadwick help you find properties from around the world. Call GPN at 877-411-4GPN. Equity Happens Institute. The Equity Happens Institute is dedicated to providing real estate investment education for effective action. To find out more about the Equity Happens Institute, 
Call 866-900-4232. You can find out about these and our other valued sponsors on our sponsor page at realestateguysradio.com. And to learn how you can sponsor the program, call Matthew Pierce at 510-521-5100. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week on The Real Estate Guys. Are you excited about real estate investing but not sure where to get started? Learn the secrets of building wealth through real estate in the comfort of your own home. In the Real Equity Home Study Course, professional investor Robert Helms and his team of experts show you why real estate outperforms other investments. Stop dreaming about investing in real estate and start doing something about it. Order the Real Equity Home Study Course today at realestateguysradio.com and click on resources. realestateguysradio.com